In this article, I develop concepts for understanding what is going on when performers develop their skills through play and exploration. In this article, I develop concepts for understanding what is going on when performers develop their skills through play. Snoopy, come here. Leave. Come here. In this article... <laughs> Welcome to the Dynamics Coaching River Tiger podcast. These podcasts are about all things equestrian, especially learning and developing skills with both horses and riders. Welcome to another edition of the River Tiger podcast. This podcast is going to be a slightly different format. I've been asked if I would do an audio version of some of the blog post articles that I've written over the last few years, particularly the ones around becoming skillful learning in the ugly zone and creating motivationally supportive learning environments. So I'm going to start with learning in the ugly zone. Learning in the ugly zone, the importance of play and exploration, finding the zone of optimal learning. While watching and listening to skilled performers, I've noticed that they all seem to be happy, even passionate, about operating at a level where they are at the edge of their abilities. They make mistakes, explore options, try new things, and then push a little harder to see what happens. I've watched gymnasts, climbers, skaters, and paddlers spend hours, days, and even months fervidly working certain moves and problems. Skilled performers seem to delight in engaging at the edges of their ability, trying, failing, trying again, failing again. Like children playing, they are exploring while they are practicing, intently focused, moving, perceiving, making decisions and problem solving. All the time, they are building on what is necessary for skill development in the context in which they are operating. Their internal dialogue is more, I wonder what would happen if, rather than, I must try and do it like this. In this article, I develop concepts for understanding what is going on when performers develop their skills through play and exploration when what they have done in the past starts to break down and they find new solutions beginning to emerge. I look at how grasping the value of performance instability and making mistakes allows us to get beyond traditional ideas of a linear progression. This then leads to a way of talking about what happens to skill when we increase challenge and to a tool to help us to plan and structure our practice. Embracing the ugly. We know skill development takes place in doing in the perception action workspace and is not a reflection of what performance may look like at the end of a practice session. Sessions that involve lots of effort and look ugly usually lead to good retention of the learning and transfer to other contexts such as competition. Sessions where performance looks great and effortless at the end will often result in poor retention and transfer. This is well known and well researched in theories of learning, for example the contextual interference effect. However, this concept is still a challenge to both performers and coaches who have been conditioned to value sessions where the coach gives all the answers and performance looks much improved at the end. I've spent a lot of time thinking about what a non-linear learning curve might look like. Humans are complex systems and there are so many variables and so many interactions that it can be hard to identify and make sense of the patterns in the complexity. By incorporating all of the nuanced complexity into one dimension of overall challenge, we end up with a pattern, 
a learning curve that can help us to design and recognize our learning environments. Overall challenge contains all of the constraints that are present and influential to a particular performance situation, individual task and environmental. Some of these constraints we can influence and change and some we can't. Challenge is not just about task complexity and skill level. Overall challenge includes things such as physiological and psychological arousal, perceived support, confidence, resilience, fatigue, speed, power output, consequence, environment and risk. The diagram of the Dynamics Challenge Performance Learning Curve is in the article and also linked to the show notes if you want to have a look at it. In this model, overall challenge is represented by the x-axis and the y-axis represents performance outcome. The curve represents the performance solution or what the performance solution might look like. Entering the ugly zone. Now we have a model and a curve that reflects our understanding of what we see and which fits with how skill development is understood by everybody from skilled athletes to researchers working within an ecological dynamics theoretical framework. Most importantly, it starts with the idea that when we increase the challenge by changing things we can control, performance starts to become unstable, gets a bit ugly and messy. This is where learning and performance development gains are made. To destabilize movement coordination patterns, we can adjust things like the required level of balance or agility. For example, faster water or less stable craft for a kayaker or surfer or a smaller, higher beam for a gymnast to balance on. Other ways we can introduce instability include an increase of speed, power output, movement complexity, visual information, decision-making, consequence or fatigue for pretty much most sports. A more unusual example would be setting speed or power levels that sit at a movement transition point. For example, trotting a horse slowly enough that a walk or piaf gait compete as possible movement patterns for the horse. If improved decision-making and adaptability is the goal of your session, you should set practice tasks where there is more than one possible option for the performer. This could include things like setting distances that lend themselves to a variety of throwing or kicking solutions, or changing rules, consequences, space and boundaries. What is important is that changes in patterns of movement, decision-making, perceiving and thinking come from practice at a level where current patterns become destabilized. This is known as the metastable state. Here, developing perception and action coupling happens in context. All of the necessary elements for performance will eventually be developed, including things like strength, postural tone, perceptual acuity, allowing new patterns to self-organize and emerge. What happens when we put the emergence, stabilization, destabilization, and switching of patterns into the challenge performance curve? It looks ugly. We get the dynamics learning curve. The metastable state here has been named as the ugly zone. The term was coined by Dr. David Aldred to describe the area just beyond your current ability, where you will try and fail, but try again with support, encouragement, reward, and self-esteem and energy. As David Aldred beautifully described in his book, The Pressure Principle, children throw themselves into their ugly zone while they are practically drowning in excitement to play. They have no fear of failure. Building ugly zones. 
Sometimes we need to build an ugly zone to start with, especially if we are novices or have lost confidence or learnt to fear failure. This can be thought of as a resilience zone. Motivation, supportive relationships and learning environments are recognised as very influential and important. The same applies when we are learning to become a skillful coach. In order to understand the individual task and environmental constraints can be adjusted to create an optimal learning experience for different individuals, we as coaches need to be able to explore and play in our ugly zones of coaching practice. A skilled coach will be able to adjust relevant constraints and move people around in their ugly zone. The old adage of change one thing at a time does not always hold up in a non-linear system. Sometimes many elements will need to be adjusted to allow the successful scaling of one control parameter in a way that gives reliable outcomes for the learner at an appropriate level of challenge. For example, you may need to reduce things like consequence, speed and anxiety in order to increase task complexity. It's a bit like a big complicated non-linear graphic equaliser for those of us who are old enough to remember those. Making ugly zones work, search space and high validity learning. Obviously, there is more to designing great practice than just randomly increasing and decreasing the challenge level. By identifying what is actually limiting our performance, practice sessions can be designed to be more effective. This may entail developing more adaptive movement patterns and decision making, or it could include anything from muscular strength, postural and tonus control, balance, coordination, perceptual acuity or confidence and motivation. We will look at the concept of search spaces and high validity learning environments in the next article, Snow Rabbits and Poo Sticks. As a coach, defining the search space for someone is a way of setting a challenge instead of giving them an answer you think they may need. Ideally, the challenge is at a level that is like a good detective story, compelling them to dive into their ugly zone to solve a problem. This fits with Ollie Logan's concept of providing handrails, not handcuffs. A search space is created and adapted by setting appropriate practice tasks and providing information. For example, giving instructions, demonstrations and feedback. In the next article, the following useful concepts will be explored in more detail. Snow. This is when a search space includes incidental information that is easy to perceive and could be mistaken as relevant information for perception-action coupling. Think of this as like mistaking a correlation for a causation. This is more likely to happen when practice environments do not offer comparable perceptual cues to the performance environments or when there is low practice variability. Rabbits, when the ugly zone is filled up with unnecessary things like anxiety, stress, fatigue, social pressure and non-supportive learning environments. All of these use up the play and exploration space and leave none left for learning. Poo sticks, this is when we manage to do something but we're not sure how it actually worked or we were not in control. It often happens when we're trying to do something that's too far outside of our current ability and we're not able to pick up the relevant information or affordances from the rest of the perceptual information available. This is likely to happen also when there's a lack of effort, concentration or commitment. Handrails, information that helps to highlight an aspect of the search space and provide an anchor for the skill we're trying to develop. Handcuffs, Information, usually technical templates, that constrains our learning, disrupts movement exploration and will get in the way of us developing more long-term adaptive expertise. 
understanding the ugly curve. So, in summary, if we want to change a movement pattern, a way of problem solving, making decisions or perceiving, we need to embrace the ugly zones and become comfortable with instability and making mistakes. We need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. However, we also need to recognise when confidence and increased performance stability are needed. The ugly curve gives us a way of talking about what happens to skill as we increase challenge. It highlights the range of optimal levels of challenge to us and helps us plan and structure our practice as coaches. I hope you enjoyed the audio version of this first blog post. Uh, The next one we'll do will be snow rabbits and poo sticks. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.